listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook and there join the Mystical City of God in a Year Facebook group, and you'll be able to interact with others who are following along. I'd like to thank the people who have rated the podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, and who also wrote a review. Ratings and reviews are helpful in the algorithms of podcasts in order to be recommended to others. And so this week, I'd like to just highlight a few of those reviews that have come in. This one is from Dart Debbie. And she says, Father Looney does a wonderful job reading this and giving meditation on the reading at the end. If you have enjoyed the podcast, I'd invite you to rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 143, and we are reading from chapter 5 of volume 2, book 4. We are reading paragraphs 418 to 422. Chapter 5 St. Joseph resolves to devote himself entirely to the service of Most Holy Mary, the behavior of Her Majesty and other particulars of the life of Mary and Joseph. 418 The Most Faithful Joseph, after being informed of the mystery and sacrament of the Incarnation, was filled with such high and befitting sentiments concerning his spouse that although he had always been holy and perfect, he was changed into a new man. He resolved to act toward the Heavenly Lady according to a new rule, and with much greater reverence, as I will relate farther on. This was conformable to the wisdom of the saint, and due to the excellence of his spouse. For St. Joseph, by heavenly enlightenment, saw well that he was the servant, and she the mistress of heaven and earth. In order to satisfy his desire for honoring and reverencing her as the mother of God, whenever he passed her or spoke to her alone, he did it with great external veneration and on bended knee. He would not allow her to serve him or wait upon him or perform any other humble services such as cleaning the house or washing the dishes and the like. All these things the most happy spouse wished to do himself in order not to derogate from the dignity of the queen. 4.19 But the heavenly lady, who among the humble was the most humble, and whom no one could surpass in humility, so managed all these things, that the palm of victory in all these virtues 
always remained with her. She besought St. Joseph not to bend the knees to her, for though this worship was due to the Lord, whom she carried in her womb, yet as long as he was within, unseen by anyone, no distinction was externally manifest between his and her own person. The saint therefore allowed himself to be persuaded and conformed to the wishes of the Queen of Heaven. Only at times when she was not looking, he continued to give this worship to the Lord, whom she bore in her womb, and also to her as his mother, intending thereby to honor both according to the excellence of each. In regard to the other works and services, an humble contention arose between them. For St. Joseph could not overcome his conviction as to the impropriety of allowing the great queen and lady to perform them, and therefore he sought to be beforehand with such household duties. His heavenly spouse was filled with the same eagerness to seize upon occasions in advance of St. Joseph. As, however, he busied himself in these duties during the time which he spent in contemplation, he frustrated her continual desire of serving him and of performing all the duties of the household, which she considered as belonging to her as a servant. In her affliction on this account, the heavenly lady turned to the Lord with humble complaints and besought him to oblige St. Joseph not to hinder her in the exercise of humility as she desired. As this virtue is so powerful before the divine tribunal and has free access, no prayer accompanied by it is small. Humility makes all prayers effective and inclines the immutable being of God to clemency. He heard her petition, and he ordered the angel guardian of the blessed husband to instruct him as follows. Do not frustrate the humble desires of her who is supreme over all the creatures of heaven and earth. Exteriorly allow her to serve thee, and interiorly treat her with the highest reverence, and at all times and in all places worship the incarnate word. It is his will equally with that of the heavenly mother to serve and not to be served, in order to teach the world the knowledge of life and the excellence of humility. In some of the work thou canst assist her, but always reverence in her the Lord of all creation. 420. Instructed by this command of the Most High, St. Joseph permitted the heavenly princess to exercise her humility, and so both of them were enabled to make an offering of their will to God. Most Holy Mary, by exercising the deepest humility and obedience toward her spouse in all her acts of virtue, which she performed without failing in the last point of perfection, and St. Joseph, by obeying the Almighty with a holy and prudent embarrassment, which was occasioned by seeing himself waited upon and served by her whom he had recognized as his mistress, and that of the world, and as the mother of his God and Creator. In this manner, the prudent saint made up for the humility, which he could not practice in the works now consigned to his spouse. This arrangement seemed to humiliate him more and filled him with a greater reverential fear. In this fear, he observed Most Holy Mary always bearing in mind the treasure of her virginal womb and adoring, magnifying, and praising the Lord. A few times in reward of the holiness and reverence, or for the increase of both, the infant God manifested himself to him in a wonderful manner. He saw him in the womb of the purest mother, enclosed as it were in the clearest crystal. The sovereign queen conversed with the glorious saint concerning the incarnation, because she did not need to be so reserved in her heavenly words, since he had been enlightened 
and instructed in the sublime sacraments of the hypostatic union of the divine and human natures of the virginal chamber of his spouse. 421. No human tongue can reproduce the celestial words and conversations of the Most Holy Mary and the Blessed Joseph. I will adduce some of them in the following chapters, as far as I know how. Yet, who can declare the effects wrought in the sweet and devout heart of this saint, in seeing himself not only constituted the husband of her, who was the true mother of his creator, but in finding himself also served by her as if she was the humblest slave, while at the same time he beheld her, raised in sanctity and dignity, above the highest seraphim, and inferior only to God. If the divine right hand enriched with blessings the house of Obededom, for having sheltered for a few months the figurative ark of the Old Testament, and blessings did not shower upon St. Joseph, to whom he entrusted the true ark and the lawgiver himself enshrined in her, incomparable was the good fortune and happiness of this saint, not only because he had with him in his house the living and true ark of the New Testament, the altar, the sacrifice, and the temple, all left in his charge, but also because he cared for them worthily and as a faithful servant, Matthew twenty-four forty-five, constituted by the Lord himself over his family to provide for all their necessities in the right time as a most faithful dispenser. Let all generations and peoples acknowledge and bless him. Let them extol his merits, since the Most High has favor none other in the same degree. I am unworthy and a poor worm. In the light of such venerable sacraments, exalt and magnify this Lord God, confessing him as holy, just, merciful, wise, and admirable in the disposition of all his great works. 422. The humble but blessed house of Joseph contained three rooms, which occupied nearly all its space and formed the exclusive dwelling place of the two spouses, for they kept neither a man nor a maidservant. In one of the rooms, St. Joseph slept, in another he worked and kept the tools of his trade of carpentering, and the third was ordinarily occupied by the Queen of Heaven and was also her sleeping room. It contained a couch made by the hands of St. Joseph. This arrangement they had observed since their espousal and from the day on which they had come to this their dwelling. Before knowing the dignity of his spouse and lady, St. Joseph rarely went to see her, for while she kept her retirement, he was engaged in his work, unless some affair made it absolutely necessary to consult her. But after he was informed of his good fortune, the holy man was more solicitous for her welfare in order to renew the joy of his heart. He began to come often to the retreat of the sovereign lady, visiting her and receiving her commands. But he always approached her with extreme humility and reverential fear. And before he spoke to her, he was careful to note in what she was engaged. Many times he saw her in ecstasy, raised from the earth and resplendent with most brilliant light, at other times in the company of her angels, holding celestial intercourse with them, and at other times he found her prostrate upon the earth in the form of a cross, speaking to the Lord. Her most fortunate spouse was a participator in these favors, but whenever he found the great lady in these occupations and postures, he would presume no farther than to look upon her with profound reverence, and thereby he merited sometimes to hear the sweetest harmony of the celestial music with which the angels regaled their queen and perceived a wonderful frag fragrancy which comforted him and filled him entirely with jubilation 
and joy of spirit. This concludes our reading today for day number 143. We have been reading from chapter 5, volume 2, book 4, paragraphs 418 to 422. Well, we hear about the great honor and veneration that St. Joseph paid to the Blessed Virgin Mary. He would bend his knee. This was seen as an act of worship of the God-man, Jesus, in the womb of Mary. But Mary was a bit concerned about this. She didn't really want this reverence being maybe misperceived as worship of her. And isn't that the case today? that we still honor the Blessed Virgin Mary. We don't worship her. So here Mary is already making the distinction that we make theologically, that we worship God with latria, that we have our dulia, especially our hyperdulia, when it comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary. I thought it was very special that Maria Vagrata said that every time he passed her, he would bend his knee, or whatever the case might be, have some external veneration. Well, every time we pass by a statue of Our Lady or an image of Our Lady, well, could we pray the Hail Mary? Could we pray the Memorari? Could we pray just a short prayer like, O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. We can imitate St. Joseph in this devotion to Our Lady by honoring her and asking her prayers in that precise moment. And then secondly, we heard something very interesting. We heard a comparison. And this is all about coming to understand the role of Joseph in salvation history and how God enriched him. If the divine right hand enriched with blessings the house of Obededom for having sheltered for a few months the figurative ark of the Old Testament, what blessings did he shower upon St. Joseph? to whom he entrusted the true ark and the lawgiver himself, who was enshrined in her? What an excellent question, and one that I think really does bring home the point that Mary and Joseph, Mary being the ark of the new covenant, Jesus being the one who is enshrined, that yes, great blessings were poured out upon St. Joseph, much like had happened in the Old Testament for that person. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.